Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Today on the show, National Party leader Christopher Luxon says enough is enough. Youth crime boot camps, military academies, electronic monitoring could all be on the cards. Your thoughts on that? Send the kids away for up to a year? Email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. Also today, a toolkit to help with overcoming sexual harassment and bullying in the trades has been launched. And it's Black Friday tomorrow. Is this rampant consumerism or great prices for those things that you really need? The ironing board, the asparagus steamer, your thoughts. Uh, And we discussed yesterday how I hated instant coffee. And so many texts came in that instant coffee was invented in a city in New Zealand. I couldn't believe it, so we get to the bottom of that today. Uh, you can text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Now, by the way, a meeting between the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and Chinese President Xi Jinping is currently confirmed for tomorrow night, 9.30pm New Zealand time, so we will cover that uh, tomorrow. Anyway, with me this afternoon, Alexia Russell, freelance journalist and former producer of The Detail. Kia ora, Alex, and you made it in this shocking weather. I know, a bit of a crawl over the hub bridge, bit of flooding, flash flooding around. Very pertinent hmm. to today's story. In yeah. Wellington. Wellington's not just Wellington. No, exactly. <laughs> and also today, Johnny O'Donnell, Nelson-based Tararawa Te Aoporing Apuhi, who has a communications and strategy firm, OD and Co, or Odd and Co. Johnny, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Great to be here. Great to have you on. Um, good. Uh, is it your first time? It is my first time oh. on the panel. And it, hilariously, I've just been uh, delivered an instant coffee by the wonderful team here in the Wellington studio. Is that all they have? <laughs> I'm assuming. You, you, they have instant anointing. <laughs> I shouldn't say much, should I? Good, good on you, Johnny. Nice to hope you're not safe, warm and dry. Anyway, traffic management is now in place on State Highway 2 at the intersection of Woodland Road. Uh, consider delaying your journey or allow extra time for long delays while New Zealand police conduct an investigation. To this first, though, when should children start to ride their bikes on the road? Current legislation says wheel diameter under 355 millimetres, you're fine on the footpath. But what does that mean? With us is Johnny John Leeswin, Director and Senior Transportation Planner at Vistrada, Via Strada, and Board Member of the Cycling Action Network. Kia ora, John. Hi. This was all sponsored from a chat in the staff room. In the staff uh, room, we had a, a article about um, uh, a UK dad and his five-year-old son cycling on the road, and everyone was a bit shocked on that. But when should kids start cycling on the road? Is there a universal age limit here? Oh, definitely not. Um, I think it's really. Uh, if I had to make two key points. Um, the first would be that the age uh, appropriate for unaccompanied riding uh, should be a parental decision. Uh, it's based upon the maturity of their kids, their traffic skills, and the environment. Um, we know that there are some quite uh, nice slow-speed environments with yeah. very little traffic and some busy roads, so it really should be up to the parents to make that call. That said, the police usually say 10, 10 years of age, and bike-ready skills training is, usually starts in the sixth form. My second point is that children who regularly ride with experienced adult riders 
are much safer on their bikes than children who are riding on the footpath. Um, footpaths are getting less and less safe uh, as right. we do more and more infill development. So, you know, higher fences, longer driveways, and drivers are coming out of their, those properties at sometimes at, at speed. I'd never thought of that, Alexia. That's a very good point. That the infill housing and around where I live, um, uh, just uh, just out on the outer rim of Auckland, there you do have a lot of housing coming in, and there's long driveways. You don't know who's coming out. No, but you tend to find though with a lot of infill housing that people do slow down. Like the more congested it is. It- School and school run times, oh, yeah. slower people are driving. Most people are aware there are kids around, okay. but you also don't want to scream out of your driveway backwards and hit a car. Mm. So I don't, yeah, that, it's a real issue. I mean, you know, it's just like when people on roundabouts build big fences around their properties, you know, and you can't see the cars coming from the outside oh, of the okay. roundabout. That, that's quite a thing, too. But Yeah. This was, I mean, this was really sort of pertinent to me, John, because, uh, you know, little junior, he, um, you know, uh, his first go, well, he started riding his bike three days ago, and I was so excited. You know, five and a half years old, and he was so proud. It was in a tennis court next to our house at a school. But then I thought, gosh, um, his dream is to ride with me to his little school there. But I just don't know how to go about it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point. Many parents don't know how, uh, and the idea is that through the uh, the new guidance on cycling on the road that is on the Waka Katai NZTA website, um, that is really good. It's only oh, yes. been published in the last year, but people should check it out. Um, people who um, are a little bit unsure about cycling, they can get a lot of guidance from there, and it's written in really easy to understand language with really easy to understand um, pictures and graphics. I think that just knowing how to ride safely on the road is, is one key. But um, that video that you described, um, it's one of those super rare occurrences, I think, and that's really important to, to remember, um, is that you know anything can happen out there. You could be so unlucky as to be oh, walking right. on the footpath, and yes. someone can go rocketing around a corner and, and mount the footpath. That is so you. true. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested in this because I, I grew up in a small town in Motueka and so we, mm. we started biking to school very young uh, and it was always incredibly safe. Um, but I wonder if that's still the case. And I guess I'm encouraged by what you're saying, John, but I wonder what's the responsibility of us to make it safer? I um, mean, we're talking here about that parental decision around when is it, when is it safe, but actually um, how do we go about ensuring that it's safe because it's such a positive right. thing and it's a culture shift we clearly need. Great point. I think there's uh, it's something all of us can do. Uh, us in, in transport engineering, we can design the roads to be safer. Um, and across all levels, uh, drivers, regulators, governments, and engineers need to look at reducing speeds. It's been a lot in the headlines lately, but we need to remember it's about keeping our most vulnerable road users safe as well as protecting us um, driving at a lower speed. So think about a, an urban street, a neighborhood street. Should it really be 50 k's an hour? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're dealing with pets who may jump out. You've got children using the street, walking to school. So I would argue that many of our, our local streets need to have a lower speed limit. Okay, yeah, and that's been pretty pertinent in the news, hasn't it, Alexia? Uh, particularly around schools as well. 
Yeah, well, we, yeah, a lot of those speed limits are coming down around schools. Yeah. Was it 30 now around schools? Which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the key, I think, is that children, until they get their driver's licences, should be on bikes because bike riders make better drivers. Mm. and they Bike will, riders make better drivers? Yeah, absolutely, because they know what it's like to be very vulnerable on a bicycle and they're not going to cut that too fine and they're not going to, you know, they're going to make adjustments for the cyclists. They're going to be watching out because they've been in the same position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, well, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Actually, I just—it's it's really interesting coming from um, Wallace. You talked about um, uh, your son, so I, I've got a two and a half year old daughter, and she mm-hmm. rides on the on the front of my bike, and she absolutely loves it. And yeah. she's been doing that since we, she was six months, probably. Um, the interesting yeah. thing about living right in um, Nelson City is that outside of the city, we have incredible trails that are really safe. Places like the Railway Reserve that have, where cyclists have had right of way for years, but it's actually in the city, getting from home onto that. Trail. Oh. That's the incredibly dangerous part because we just haven't actually made that culture shift. Is in that town. right? Yeah, that's quite a surprise for Nelson. What about what about rock around that rocks road to Tahuna? Is there any cycle path there yet? It's it's one of the most dangerous parts of the network actually. And just recently, after the flooding events we had in August, the cycle lane that the partial cycle lane that exists across that area had actually been closed. Um, due to the vulnerability of the road. So we haven't been biking around there for a long time, and actually um, it's, a, it's a massive weakness in the whole network. Crazy stuff. It's, a really, good, it's a really good point that it's very context-dependent. Like in Christchurch, we've uh, got 13 major cycle routes that are under construction. I think at least seven of them are fully open. And it just makes riding with young children or um, you know, kids of 10 years or older um, that much safer having a separated cycleway. Um, they've even got traffic signals that are designed for the cyclists to, to separate uh, turning traffic from through through cyclists. So the design of our streets is, is so important into the decision as to what age is. Well, let's talk about this more. Here's a, here's a text for you all. Biking to school is not a thing in New Zealand. Our daughter was one of five students who cycled to her school of 800 girls in Hamilton. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, my sons were big bike riders until they reached intermediate when they were told that they had to go on the road. And we have a, a nasty roundabout halfway between our place and the school. The kids wouldn't do it. And they were terrified that the police were going to stop them. And if they were riding on the footpath, they stopped. And not only did they stop riding to school, they stopped riding. Oh, my goodness. So mm. it's right. really, you know, there's hardly any infrastructure on the shore for mm. cyclists. And it's about time. All right, we'll come back to this. Hey, we John- can't be building multi-lane roundabouts near schools. So a single lane roundabout if ridden properly, is safe for, for people on a bike, and that's what bike ready skills training for intermediate students teaches them. Okay, kia ora, John. We'll have to. Run, John, yeah. we'll come back to this another time, but thank you. That's John Leeswin, uh, Director and Senior Transportation Planner at Via Strata. All right, time for I've been thinking. Johnny, considering it's your first, your very first time on the panel, good on you. Um, take it away. What's your I've been thinking? Well, I've been thinking uh, about how resilient tourism is. I think we've all waited to see uh, what the return of tourism looks like. I should declare um, that I do, I have clients in the tourism industry and uh, quite a fondness for the industry, but notwithstanding that, um, this is an industry that was seemingly grounded after 9-11. It's suffered majorly through the global financial crisis, and then of course is now being grounded for two years due to COVID. And with borders not long open, it already seems to be making an epic come back. Um, we're still essentially in the throes of the pandemic, yet it seems like the appetite for New Zealanders destination is as strong as ever. International arrivals are creeping back up around to pre-COVID levels and looks like we're in for a big summer. And I think for those of us who live in uh, tourism uh, places like Nelson, mm. uh, 
uh, you can really notice the difference. It's palpable. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, different well, cultures in the streets, again, languages. The um, hospitality outlets are full. It's really, really cool to see. The flea market there, booming. Absolutely. Boom and summer. Gosh, that was, that's, that's a party every, every weekend. All right, thank you, Johnny. Uh, I've been thinking Alexia Russell. Yeah, I've been reading Tom Scott's biography of Charles Upham, VC and Bar, um, called Searching for Charlie. Amazing piece of writing yeah. for so many reasons. Searching for Charlie. Yeah. I've, I used, when I was a teenager, I read Mark of the Lion, which is kind of the seminal mm. Charlie Upham story. But Tom Scott's really gone deeper. He's gone everywhere that Charlie Upham went. He's sketched out the historical background. And some of it was fascinating. And he was talking about Crystal Nut and, you know, pointing out that that was a manipulated event, painted as a spontaneous outburst of violence against Jewish shops people. Not at all. It, you know, was a revenge act by the Nazi Party, very carefully mm. constructed. Um, and it strikes me that we have some, I'm not saying so serious as this, but some some awful parallels that that kind of manipulation and is turning, you know, we are seeing this now in modern history with disinformation. And it doesn't take much, I don't think, from manipul- to, for disinformation to turn into manipulation. And when that starts to happen, we're looking at things like people pushing hot button button topics and creating fear where there ought not to be fear, where they're unchallenged on on facts and they just keep repeating things because they can. Now you can do it on social media. You're not challenged. You can do it on you know Facebook. Um, it worries me that, in particular, in politicians, if you're going to if you want to get into power into politics, I think what are you doing it for? Well, yes, you should right. be doing it because you love this country and you want to make it better. They say well, they, they, say that they would. They but, say they would. Yeah. But are you, are you really, by creating an atmosphere of fear, I mean, for example, making making everyone think it's a principal's fault that there's absenteeism in a pandemic, mm. uh, saying that there's a crime wave when the figures don't stack mm. that up. You're pushing um, buttons that have already been kind of lit up by report, you know, media reports and all the rest of it, and really feeding on people's fear for your nothing, own Nothing aim. new, though, is it? It's nothing and new. It's nothing Come on, new. Alexia. No, well, that's it's what been I'm going saying. For I was decades. just reading World War II mm-hmm. literature. It's nothing new. But shouldn't by now, shouldn't we, we be more aware of it? Oh, All right, kia ora to you both. Yeah, Alexia Russell uh, and Johnny O'Donnell. Uh, a lot of fever coming through. Um, Military-style boot camps for young people? Email me. Yes or no, why or why not? The panel at rnz.co.nz.